Father, how great you are. How great and awesome and mighty you are. And we want to just gather together and agree on your beauty and your majesty. And just pray that you might um, teach us this morning through your Holy Spirit. Teach us about our lesson. In the name of Jesus, we ask all these things. Amen. This morning, I'm going to do something a little unusual. I'm going to start by telling an old joke. <laughs> I, um, I don't typically like to start with jokes, especially after such beautiful worship. Awesome. Awesome. I love seeing the three of you up here. Um, don't usually like to start with jokes, but this one sort of goes with today's topic. So here we go. Story goes, there was a kindergarten class that was told to bring something for show and tell that would help them explain their religion. First child stands up and goes to the front and says, I am Jewish. This is my menorah. Second child stands up and he says, I am a Muslim. This is my prayer rug. Third child gets up, goes to the front and says, I am a Southern Baptist. This is my casserole dish. <laughs> Our denomination is famously known for its potlucks and its ice cream socials and our pizza parties. And we are going to be talking about a spiritual discipline that is not always associated with our denomination. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. You can also, if you see that extra paper on your, at your table, that is a listing of all the passages that we're going to go over today. We are going to be all over our Bibles. And so for the sake of speed, you might um, occasionally want to just use your paper. You have the option. It's always good to be able to see it right for yourself in your own Bibles. All right, we're going to start with Matthew chapter 9. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 15. Matthew 9, 14 says this. Then the disciples of Jesus came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The day will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. This morning, we are going to be discussing the spiritual discipline of fasting. Ronnie Floyd, he is the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He says this, Most believers do not even understand the principle, much less how to fulfill the practice. End quote. My guess is of all the spiritual disciplines that we've looked at, this is probably one you're not familiar with, as familiar with. It may be one that you're not real interested in. But this morning, we're going to take a look at the basics of fasting. We're going to start with the definition. Now, on your paper, I have written there a Greek word. It's the word that is found in the passage that we read, Matthew passage, for fast. It is the Greek word nastuo. Now, I have that on your paper. In Greek, N-E means not. Estuo means to eat. So, nastuo means not eating. 
means having an empty stomach. So when the Bible is using the word fasting, I want you to understand it means voluntarily abstaining from food. All right, now here's our first point. Number one, fasting is to voluntarily abstain from food for spiritual purposes. Spiritual purposes. Now, you might be thinking, is it just abstaining from food? Can we abstain from other things? Can we abstain from other things for spiritual purposes? And the answer is yes, absolutely. You can take the principle of fasting and apply it to other things. All right? But we want to at least understand that when the Bible is using the word, it's talking about abstaining from food. Okay? Now, and think about it. Food is something that we all understand. It doesn't matter your race or your age or your financial status. We all desire food. Nobody likes having an empty stomach. So it's something that we can all relate to. Now, in your book, he mentioned several different types of fasting, and he gave them a label. Now, the Bible doesn't necessarily use those labels, but um, we're going to go over them very quickly. First of all, A, you have a normal fast. Now, a normal fast is to go without, wa go without food, but still drink water. All right? Now, little heads up here. If you are pregnant, if you are nursing, if you have any type of medical, um, not mental, <laughs> medical, <laughs> medical condition, um, preachers are very quick to tell you, this is not for you. You should not be fasting like this. Okay? There'll be other, another time for that. Uh, that would also apply to our next fast, which is known as a B. That's absolute. That is when you go without food or water. And we read about them doing that in the book of Esther. We read about it in the book of Jonah. So that's no food, no water. Then in C, you have a supernatural fast. Now, that's an absolute fast that goes on for a long period of time. We read about Moses going up on the mountain for 40 days without food and water. That's a supernatural situation. All right? Then the last one is partial fast. Now, that would be when you fast from certain things. All right, you might, eat, um, you might eat only a few simple foods. You might fast for only part of a day. All right, now in the example of this would be from the book of Daniel. We read about him fasting and only eating vegetables and water because he did not want to defile himself with the king's food. You see, it was for a spiritual purpose. Okay, now also on your paper, uh, the book had it divided this way. It said there could be private. That would be something that you do secretly. You're doing that on your own. It could be congregational, perhaps something your church agrees to do. And then the last time could be national, something that your country does. You'll read of, in history, countries will do it at times of war and things like that. All right, now, let's imagine that you're on your way home today and you get to thinking, you know, I think I need to fast. This fasting thing sounds pretty good. You know, I need to drop a few pounds. And uh, swimsuit weather is coming up. You know, yeah, I, I, think, I think I'm going to fast. Okay. Not a fast. That would be a diet. Okay? That's a diet. All right, now let's say that you finish reading this lesson. And you're thinking, you know, I really want to cut out gluten and uh, processed sugar. I need to be eating healthier. 
Yes, I need to be eating healthier. I think I'm going to do that Daniel thing. I think I'm going to do a partial fast. <laughs> Not a fast. Okay? That too would be a diet. All right? Now, you might be thinking, well, I'm going without food voluntarily, and it's something right out of the Bible. Well, that's true. But a true Christian biblical fast is going to be for a spiritual purpose, not a dietary or a medical one. Okay? All right. Now, let's say you're like my husband, and the two of us sit down to dinner, and I ask him how his day was, and he says, oh, my, my day was crazy, crazy busy. This is the first time I've eaten all day. I have been so busy, I haven't had time to eat. Oh, so you've been fasting. Okay, no, not a fast. All right, that is just, I'm just so busy, I don't have time to eat kind of thing. Okay, when you're talking about fasting, there is going to be purpose. There's going to be intention. All right, now, also, because we're talking about spiritual purpose, our next point, number two on your paper, true biblical fasting will involve prayer. Okay, there's going to be prayer. Now, it may be on your knees prayer. It may be while you're changing diapers prayer, but there's going to be prayer. All through the Bible, you're going to see prayer and fasting go together. So remember, you are fasting from food for a spiritual purpose. So if there hasn't been prayer, if there hasn't been intentional thinking and concentrating on God, then you've probably just been dieting. Okay? All right. Now, that gives us an idea of what it is and what it isn't. Let's talk about who should be doing it. And um, let's go back to verse 14 in Matthew. The disciples of John the Baptist, they come to Jesus and they want to know, why don't your disciples fast? We fast. The Pharisees are fasting. You see, there was an expectation that godly people will fast. All right. Um, look at Matthew 6. It's also on your paper. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. Jump down to verse 17. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face. Okay, there is an assumption and an expectation that the godly will fast. Jesus gives instruction on how to do it. Now, one of the things we, we need to point out is that there is no commandments in the New Testament to fast. You're not going to read something like, thou shall fast two days a week or once a month or something like that. Nothing like that. No commandments, but there is the expectation. All right, here's our next point. Number one, Jesus assumed that fasting was good and would be done by his disciples. You could also put believer or followers in that. All right, looking back at Matthew 9, verse 15. And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. All right, Jesus is explaining that once the bridegroom, he's talking about himself, once the bridegroom is taken away, then Jesus' disciples would fast. He's telling them that people don't fast during the wedding celebration. You don't expect there to be mourning during the wedding. All right, now here's our next point, and it's an obvious one, but number two. For believers, there is a time to mourn and fast and a time to celebrate and feast. 
You all know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. There's a season to all things. There's a time to fast, and there's a time to feast. But here's the problem. We American Christians are in a perpetual state of feasting. We go to lunch with a friend. We meet somebody for coffee. Then we come back and have family dinner. We go from feast to feast to feast. Now, they may vary in size and importance, but we know how to feast and celebrate. We take pictures of it and put it on our websites. We have our nice clothes and our nice homes and our nice rooms. We know how to feed our flesh. We know how to feed our desires. But here's the thing. We are expected to fast. The sad truth is that we really don't know how to gather together unless there is food. We have our potlucks, we have our birthday parties, we have our Super Bowl parties, we have our picnics, we have our barbecues, we have our beach vacations. Now, am I saying that we shouldn't do those things? Am I saying those are wrong? No, not at all. What I'm saying is we have mastered the feasting, but we are expected to fast. Our bridegroom is not here. There's going to be times of mourning. We're expected to fast. Now, why? Why should we fast? Well, we're going to look next at 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm going to start with verse 1. After this, <clears throat> the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Menunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great battle, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom, from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazan, Hazan, Hazazon Tamar, that is in Jedi. <clears throat> then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord from all the cities of Judah. They came to seek the Lord. Here's the next point on your paper. Fasting is usually born out of great need. It is usually born out of great need. And we're going to go over some specifics. But we want to understand the big picture. And that is the need is a need for God. Okay? Fasting is our way of saying, God, I need you. I need you more than I need food. I am desperate for you. I am hungry for you. I am more hungry for you than I am for food. All right, fasting is a way, it's, a, it's, a, it's an expression of our helplessness and our dependency on God. You see, Jehoshaphat knew we need help. We cannot fix this. The enemy has united. They've surrounded us. We are desperate for God. <clears throat> so he calls a fast. All right, number two. Fasting is to express grief, repentance, and a return to God. We're going to now look at the book of Esther. Esther chapter 3. It's on your paper as well. <clears throat> now, Esther 
will go on and proclaim a three-day fast from food and water. I want us to see what prompts that. All right? So we're looking at Esther chapter 3, verse 8. Then Haman said to King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the peoples in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of every other people. And they do not keep the king's laws, so that it is not to the king's profit to tolerate them. If it please the king, let it be decreed that they be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hands of those who have charge of the king's business, that they may put into it the king's treasury. So the king took his signet ring from his hand and gave it to Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamandatha, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said to Haman, the money is given to you, the people also, do with them as it seems fit to you. Now jump to verse 13. Letters were sent by couriers to all the king's provinces and instructions to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate all Jews, young and old, women and children, in one day, the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. A copy of the document was to be issued as a decree in every province by proclamation to all the peoples to be ready for that day. The couriers were sent out by order of the king, and the decree was issued in Susa, the citadel. And the king, now watch now, and the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city of Susa was thrown into confusion. When Mordecai learned of all that had been done, Mordecai tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out into the midst of the city, and he cried with a loud and bitter drink, bitter cry. All right, this is what prompts Esther to call the fast. You have Haman and the king. They sit down. They have a casual discussion on the annihilation of a complete people. And then notice what it says in 15. It says, they sat down to drink while the city was thrown into confusion. I want to give you a modern-day example of this. In 2015... The Center for Medical Progress released videos that had secretly been recorded by actors hired to pretend to be buyers of tissue and organs of aborted babies from officials of Planned Parenthood. You probably have seen the videos. In the videos, employees of Planned Parenthood discuss various abortion techniques and procedures that they can use to keep certain body parts intact to make it more profitable all the while making jokes and sipping on wine and chomping on their salads. And you watch it and you wonder, when did we become so barbaric and cold? To make matters worse, a grand jury cleared Planned Parenthood of all wrongdoing, and instead, authorities in Texas have brought charges against the filmmaker. David Delayden was charged with making fake IDs and for trying to buy fetal tissue. The editor of LifeNews.com said this, instead of prosecuting Planned Parenthood for selling aborted baby parts, Delayden was indicted for buying them. 
If convicted, he faces 20 years in prison, while Planned Parenthood officials face no legal consequences for their actions. Now, how are we, as women in the church, how are we to respond to something like this? This is a room full of baby lovers. What do we do? We can't even bring ourselves to listen to such things. But are we to be like Haman and the king and just continue feasting? Or should we be like Mordecai and Esther and grieve and mourn and fast and repent of our sin and cry out for mercy and righteousness? This past February, the city of Charlotte passed an ordinance allowing transgenders to choose the restroom that corresponds to their gender identity. By March, Governor Pat McCrory had signed legislation to stop it. And as you are well aware, North Carolina has been in the news ever since. Wells Fargo, American Airlines, Bank of America, Apple, PayPal, Facebook, NBA, just to mention a few, were very quick to threaten and take major financial repercussions. In many ways, our governor in the state of North Carolina is a lot like Jehoshaphat when all those kings united to take a stand to take him out. What do you do in a case like that? Write a letter? protest? I doubt very much that you want your daughters to grow up and have to share a, a restroom with a man. What do you do when your state has found its way in the national spotlight with what seems to be the whole world up against it? What do you do? You do like Mordecai and you do like Jehoshaphat. And you grieve, and you mourn, and you get on your face, and you humble yourself before God and say, we can't fix this. We are desperate for you. We are more desperate for you th than we are for food. Now, a little side note on this. I had been uh, just really distraught with all of this and had been trying to make a point to really pray about it. And I came across an article that was on, I was reading the news, and I came across this little bitty article that went on to say that this very popular porn site was boycotting North Carolina because of this law. And as a result, if you had a North Carolina computer with an IP address out of North Carolina, you would see a black screen no porn for you. <laughs> oh, dear ladies, God can answer our prayers in ways unimaginable. We must pray and fast. All right, let's talk about another reason. Isaiah 58, this is also on your paper. It is the whole chapter is one of the most famous on fasting. I'm going to start with verse 6. Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? All right? A couple reasons in this chapter. Here's our first one. Next point. We fast to overcome temptation for deliverance and for spiritual breakthrough. 
All right, we fast to loose the bonds of wickedness and to undo the straps of the yoke. All right, maybe you have a particular sin or weakness that you struggle with. Maybe it's coveting. And you get obsessed with trying to look a certain way or to get certain things. Maybe you struggle with just incredible insecurities. Maybe uh, you are emotionally cheating on your spouse and your thoughts are continually on another man. Maybe you have found something on your son's computer or your husband's computer. What do you do when you or a family member is caught up in something addictive and destructive? What do you do? You grieve and you mourn and you humble yourself and you fast and you say, we cannot fix this. We are desperate for you. We are helpless without you. And this is more important than food. Now, you may have unsaved family members or friends. I'm sure you do. What should we do? We should pray for them and we should fast for deliverance and for spiritual breakthrough. Now, am I suggesting that fasting is a way to manipulate God and to force his hand? Am I suggesting that skipping one little meal is going to break the bonds of pornography? I want to be careful not to imply that, but I want you to look at verse 9. Verse 9 says in the Isaiah passage, Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. All right, the promise is that if we truly humble ourselves, and we pray, and we fast, God has promised himself. When we go to God and we tell him we are desperate for you, we need you, the promise is he gives you himself. Okay, now let's move on. Next verse, verse seven. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Okay, Ronnie Floyd writes this. He says, when we fast and pray, God teaches us how to share with those who have physical and spiritual needs. He says, basically, he goes on to say that when we fast biblically, God will use it to make us more sensitive to the needs of others and more powerful in meeting those needs. All right, look at verse 8. It says, then shall your light break forth like the dawn. Next week, we're going to the trailer park. How would you like to go in there and have your light break forth like the dawn? We need to fast and pray before we do ministry. All right, next point, number four. We fast to minister to others. Let's look at verse 11. Still in Isaiah. <clears throat> And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Maybe some of you have some important decisions to make. 
Maybe you're trying to decide, should I homeschool? Should I send my child to public school? Maybe you have other decisions that are going to impact your family. Maybe you're trying to determine how you would serve and minister. Maybe there are important decisions that your church or your country needs to make. What do you do? K. Arthur writes this. When your world is coming apart and it seems that all hope is gone, do you take matters into your own hands and desperately try to figure out how to make it work? Or do you have the faith to humble yourself through fasting and seek the face of God, wait, hear from him, and walk in obedience? Ronnie Floyd points out that when we fast for a period of time so that our minds may become sharp, our hearts softened, and our spirits receptive to what God has to say to us. You want to have a mind that's sharp and able to determine how God is leading you? And then a heart that is, that is sensitive to that leading? We need to fast. We need to humble ourselves and fast. Something else to consider. As women, we are to be submissive to our husbands. We are to let them be the leaders and heads of our home. And, ladies, we are to submit to their headship as we serve at church. Now, uh, we can often be very quick to critique and complain about the decisions that they make. Maybe we should be praying and fasting about those. Perhaps they would make better decisions if we were praying and fasting for them. At the very least, we would have a better state of mind about them. All right, here's our next point. Number five, we fast to seek God's guidance and to express concern for the work of God. All right, next we want to look at the book of Ezra. Ezra chapter 8, verse 21. Ezra is about to lead the first group of captives back into the land of Israel. This is what he writes, Ezra 8, 21. Then I proclaim a fast there at the river Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way, since we had told the king, the hand of our God is for good on all who seek him, and the power of his wrath is against all who forsake him. So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. How many of you lose sleep worrying about your children? Concerned for their safety? Worried about what they might see or what they might hear? What do you do when you know you have to put your child on a bus or hand over the car keys or put them on a plane so that they leave and go to a foreign country? What do you do? You do what Ezra did. And you pray and you fast and you get on your face before God and you say, Lord, I know I cannot protect these kids on my own and keep them from everything. I am desperate for you. I am helpless apart from you. Next point, number six, we fast to seek deliverance or protection. K. Arthur writes this, fasting is appropriate action 
for when we face situations outside of our power and control, things that we cannot accomplish but God can, we ask God because he is God. One more reason. Let's go back to Matthew. Matthew 9, 15 says this, And Jesus said to them, The attendants of the bridegroom cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. One of the reasons that we fast now is because we miss our bridegroom. We abstain from food or an activity so that we can better focus on God. We experience hunger pains, and when we start to crave that food, we say, Lord, I want you more. Here's what David Platt writes. It's through fasting that God begins to expose the desires and the cravings in our lives that are not for him. And they begin to come to the surface. Here's our next point, number seven. We fast to strengthen prayer and express love and worship of God. All right, those are some of the reasons why we fast. Let's talk about how. All right, very good book by Ronnie Floyd on fasting. He gives very detailed instruction about this. You can also go online and look up Campus Crusade, Bill Bright. He has a very long explanation on, with some tips about fasting on the Internet. We're going to quickly cover a few things this morning. Number one, humble yourself and deal with all revealed sin. Okay, the Bible makes very clear, humility and fasting, they go together. If we're not dealing with our sin, if we're not humbling ourselves, then our fasting is going to be very hypocritical. All right, here's the next point. Number two, this is something um, experienced fasters tell us. Number two, start small, but start. Okay, you might not want to start out with a 40-day food-only fast or water-only fast. Okay, you might want to consider something smaller, but don't procrastinate. All right, and here's the next point. Determine the kind of fast. All right, what are you going to fast from? Is it going to be complete? Is it going to be partial? All right, next, or from different activities. All right, here's the next thing. Number four, determine the length of your fast. How long are you going to fast? A real common uh, time period that you'll see is people will fast from sundown of, is it sundown? Sundown of one day to sundown of the next. That's kind of a common one. Uh, or you may decide to go 40 days without a certain activity, uh, but you'll want to determine the length of the time. Next, you want to determine your purpose. Why? What's the spiritual purpose that you're fasting from? Um, and fasting for, uh, you, I would write that down. I'd make a note exactly of what you're doing. All right, number six, determine to use the time that you would ordinarily spend eating or preparing food or doing that activity. Spend that time to pray and read God's word. All right, journaling is recommended. Great thing to just write down what God is showing you and teaching you while you're, while you're going through this. As I was preparing for this lesson, I listened to a sermon by Ronnie Floyd. Uh, he had preached it at his church at the beginning of the year, and he was challenging his entire church to do a 21-day fast with him. Now, he wanted everyone in the church to participate at some level. Some were going to be going 21 days without food, just drinking juice. Some were going to be doing a partial fast for 21 days. Some were going to give up activities. He wanted everybody to participate. He was challenging them to fast for their church, to fast for their country, 
to fast for the um, unbelieving, or the lost, that they would uh, be able to talk, talk with and, and minister to, and to also fast for personal spiritual breakthrough. Now, as I'm listening to this sermon, I was just getting uh, very convicted that I needed, I, needed to, I needed to do what he was saying. I needed to fast. And I was getting ready to go on vacation, so I was kind of limited as to what I was going to be able to fast from immediately. But um, then as he proceeded to talk, he mentioned, choose something that you love, something that would be sacrificial to abstain from for 21 days. Well, I knew immediately what that was. I knew that I needed to fast from sweet tea. (laughs) I love sweet tea. I can do just about anything if you hang sweet tea out like a carrot. And um, it's, it's, I, I, I love it. So a, a couple, about a year ago, I decided I'm drinking too much of it. It's way too much sugar. So I decided, okay, from now on, you are not going to make tea anymore. You can treat yourself to it if you go out to lunch with a friend. Then you can have a, a glass of sweet tea. That was a rule that I made up for myself. And then the new Zaxby's went in. And I changed the rule to I could now have sweet tea anytime I drove by Zaxby's <laughs> or PDQ. You know, I kind of had those two favorite spots. And, and so what I would do is I would look for excuses to go by there, and I would um, buy a, the, a cup that was like the size of a half gallon, and I would buy one for today and one for tomorrow, so I would buy two. And I'd take that home. I was drinking so much sweet tea. People would ask me to, to do things to help them. And I would be like, I don't really want to do that. Oh, but you can stop for tea. And so I, and so I would do it. So I knew, I knew, I, it's out of control. I'm, I love tea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, fast from sweet tea. So I determined that's what I was fasting from. I determined the length of days. It's going to be 21 like he talked about in the sermon. I also decided my purpose. And I thought, you know what? I want to pray for my country and elections. I wanted to pray for my state. Uh, I wanted to pray for my church. There were some friends with with needs and and great prayer needs. I had some spiritual breakthrough of my own that I wanted. And um, and I listed the friends and family that I want to see come to Christ. My list was very long, but I wrote it all out. Now, it had been years, years since I had gone any length of time without drinking tea. But I was surprised. Uh, I did not have any uh, headaches or any type of uh, reaction like that. I didn't experience that, but every day I would wake up and and just crave tea. I wanted it. I'd go throughout the day. I wanted it. What I found out that I missed was I missed giving myself that immediate gratification and reward. I would see I was rewarding myself all day long and comforting myself all day long with sweet tea. And so as, as the day would go by and I would just crave it, I would just stop and go, I crave this tea, I want this, but Lord, I want you more. I want you more. That list, that long list of stuff that I wrote, I want you to move in that more than I want my own desires. Now, one day early on, I was on vacation with my husband and he stopped for a Starbucks. Usually I would get a tea, I did not. I went with him to Starbucks, and I just picked out a drink. It was something chocolatey and coffee, and, and I drank, and I was like, wow, this is really good. I, I enjoyed it far more than I usually did, and I thought, you know, I could probably do this fasting thing. It's not going to be so bad if I get one of these drinks. 
And then I was like, no, no, you are missing the point of this. The point is not to substitute your love and passion for tea with coffee or chocolate. You know, I wanted to take that craving and direct it to God. So I thought, okay, maybe I need to fast from chocolate too. I'll just add that to the list. And then I thought, oh, do you hear yourself? You're going to fast from sweet tea and chocolate. Why don't you just add bonbons and pedicures to your list? I thought, no, no. I, I, so I, I, did some, I did some reassessing, and I thought, okay, I'm going to continue. I'm going to extend my fast on tea. The problem with that is it had become rather public. People were wanting to know, why aren't you drinking tea? And so I thought, this time I'm going to, I'll continue that, but I also want to fast from something privately, something secretly. And, and in my case, I thought it's not going to be the chocolate or sweet tea. It needs to be something more basic. In my case, I needed to be hungry. I fasted from like TV and stuff like that before, and so that kind of wasn't a big deal, but, go, but going hungry was, so I thought I'm going to do something that will involve that. And so um, uh, I'd fasted before in the times. They were mostly out of times of desperation, but this time I thought, okay, I'm going to do some type of partial fast for 21 days, and I want to try to use what I've been learning throughout this course. Now, one of the biggest changes I found was in the past when I would get hungry, I would try to keep my mind off it. I'd try to stay busy and not think about being hungry. This time it was different. This time I felt hunger, and I thought, okay. I acknowledged it. And then if I was home by myself, I tried to spend some concentrated time either praying or reading God's Word. If I was out and around, I had responsibilities. Then I tried to just use those hunger pains to think, Lord, I need you. That long list of stuff, I am desperate for that. I tried to use the hunger pains to prompt me to pray and to take my need to God. Now, I share all this with you because I want to tell you there are rewards to be had that are sweeter than tea and all the little treats and rewards that we give ourselves. Here's our next point. God promises to bless and reward those who fast according to his word. Now, I want to close. I want to close and I want to challenge you to prayerfully consider fasting. Start small, but start. I have some notes on your paper. I would personally recommend that you fast for 21 days. That's long, but it's shorter than 40. Smaller than 40. We'll start small. Start with something 21. It could be some type of partial fast. Maybe you could skip a meal a day or um, abstain from a certain activity or uh, remove certain foods from your diet for a spiritual purpose. I would recommend that it be something that you love and something that would be sacrificial. So when the cravings come, you can address it and say, Lord, I crave you more. I crave you more. I've included some spaces on your handout for you to get very specific, maybe some specific spiritual breakthroughs that you need or lost family and friends that need, that need Christ. I want to remind you of this. We're expected to fast. We have reason 
to fast. And God has told us that if we humble ourselves and we do this biblically, God has promised to say, here I am. Let's pray. Father God, we, we praise you for your kindness. We praise you for your willingness to look upon a humble heart. Father, I pray you'll help us to understand how to do that, how to properly and biblically grieve and mourn and repent of sin and to approach you humbly. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.